You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Come on, good morning. It's good to see you in God's house this morning. I am glad that you're here. Welcome, welcome. Grab your Bibles if you would. First Corinthians chapter three is where we're gonna spend our time today. I think God's got something special in store for you as we turn our attention to his word. It's gonna be good. Somebody say it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. We're gonna talk today and continue on with our series called What Matters Most. I don't, I, I don't know if anybody else would agree with me, but I hate wasting time on things that don't matter. Now, sometimes what doesn't matter is only uh, what doesn't matter to me and it might matter to somebody else. Uh, that's a whole different ballgame. But ultimately, what we're talking about today is what matters most to God? What are the parts of our life that we can say it matters most to our Father? And as we're turning our attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to continue on with that thought today. I want to just say, uh, uh, before we get started, first of all, thank you for all of you who are giving to our missionaries overseas and in the country. Um, I just... It's such a wonderful thing. It's a huge honor for me to be able to bless them and to show them how our church stands behind what they're doing. It's been a really, really rough two years for people trying to do missions. Come on, somebody. It's been rough for them. And so to be able to bless them with a big Christmas bonus from us, it just brings a smile to my face, and I hope it does the same for you. Uh, it matters. Thank you for that. Um, next Sunday is Legacy Sunday. We get to uh, get, a, get a chance to show you kind of the lives and, uh, that you've been able to impact and uh, the things that we've been able to do. It's been a powerful, powerful time uh, putting that stuff together. Please don't miss next week. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, then we have Christmas Eve coming up with three services. The following, that, that following Sunday after the 19th, we will not be here. So if you show up, uh, clean up the parking lot, say a prayer for us. But we, we believe in letting people enjoy time with their family. We never ask our staff to sacrifice family on the altar of ministry. Uh, we believe that healthy families are important. If you wanna have a healthy church, you better have healthy people. And healthy people means that, hey, we take care of our families. And so it's a good thing. So uh, thank you very much for your generosity. Thank you so much for standing behind us financially. It, it matters. And uh, next week we have to show you how. It's really cool. So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter three, what matters most? I would venture a guess that the things that matter most to you right now are not the things that mattered most to you in high school. Somebody say yes. My, I don't know, but for me, what mattered most in high school was just not being embarrassed. And when you come from where I come from and you got the parents that I had, that was a hard thing to try to avoid, uh, especially because my parents didn't know how to buy cars. Uh, they just bought cars that we could afford. I thought, hey, we need to buy cars that are nice so I won't be embarrassed. I didn't understand the whole, the whole value and money thing. I, I'm like, hey, just don't drop me off at school in that. We had one car that, uh, that did not have a reverse. It didn't have a reverse. So when you go to adjust the Prindle, it was just Pendle. There was no R. And so if uh, you'd have to be strategic about how you parked this thing because if someone pulled in front of you, you're gonna have to do something that we had to do several times that was extremely embarrassing. Get your friends to push you backwards into the street so that you could drive out. Anybody ever been there? You ever been there? Uh, my dad also had a, a, a white paint van with bucket seats that was really embarrassing and I say bucket seats not because they were bucket seats like you think. They were real buckets. 
And so my friends are like, hey, can I have a ride home? I'm like, uh, we don't like to take a lot of people. And it's like, well, you got a van. What is that, a 10 passenger van? Like, no, it's a 10 bucket van. You got to sit on the bucket. You guys got seatbelts? No, nah, man, we, we got paint. I don't know. It's, it is what it is. But I remember being dropped off and thinking, oh, I'm so embarrassed. Why can't we have, you just, we, can't have, we can't have nice things. My mission in life, my life's work was just not to be embarrassed. Somebody say amen. Which was crazy because our fashion did not reflect that at all. I remember walking through the crisscross phase. I'm sure none of you have any idea what that was. We literally wore our clothes backwards, bro, backwards. When you have to have your mom unzip you or unbutton you from the back, I'm like, hey, take my shirt off, because you're wearing it backwards and your arms are like this, you can't even like make your arms touch because your shirt's on backwards and your zipper and your pants button up. And like, I don't even know how we got in those things, but it was fashionable. You had to wear it. Like, that's embarrassing. Not at the time it wasn't. It is now, but the most important thing was just not be embarrassed. Now, the things that might matter to you have changed over the years. I want to know, uh, when you think about the things that are most important to your life, the things that are most important to you, uh, do they really align up with what you say? Do your actions and your words agree? And perhaps more than that, do your actions and your words line up with the word of God? Because there are many things that we think are important, that we say are important, but we may not believe that they're important, but ultimately, do they matter to God? Do they matter in the grand scheme of things? Do they matter eternally? And the Apostle Paul was talking about his life's work, the things that were most important to him as he's sharing the thoughts of what God had done in his life and what he has built as he's looking towards the end of his life. And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, follow along if you would, he says this, by the grace that God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. In other words, this is the smartest thing I've ever done. I built my life on something really wise. He said, and someone else is building on top of that. He says, but each one should build with care. Somebody say care. Care. In the original language, that word care translates from the Greek, the word blepo, which means to take a long, hard look at something. To take a long, hard look. He said, you ought, you ought to be building your life with care. Take a long, hard look at what you're building on. And I think Paul knows what he's talking about because he spent the first half of his life trying to impress people with his education, with his training, with his job. And it's led him into a place where people really, really like him and respect him, but ultimately it matters not. He says, there was a time when God knocked me off of my high horse on the road to Damascus, changed the foundation of my life, and since that moment, I've done the smartest things I've ever done. I've built on a foundation that mattered. And he says, and each one of you should build your life on something that matters. Don't waste it. Build it with the end in mind. Build it on a foundation that will, that will last. And he says, this is the smartest thing I've done. I built it with care. The word blepo doesn't mean just, just to take a long, hard look, but it, it kind of signifies that something physical matters in the spiritual. And this is important for us to understand as we look at our life's work and the most important things that we say are, that matter the most to us, are these things making a difference over there? It's hard to think that way because most of us would just say, hey, just, are they making a difference here? I would just like to make a difference here. Move the needle just a little bit. But he's saying, look, my, my life is doing more than just trying to impress people. It's trying to please the Lord. 
It's the smartest thing I've ever done. He said, each one should build with care. I believe that we will not stumble into lives of eternal significance. It has to be done with great care. He goes on to say this. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. He go, I mean, he, he's, he's saying in his heart, if you build your life on anything else, you are really dumb. You're really dumb. Don't try to build your life on any other foundation. There is no other foundation. There's only imposters. He says this, if anyone builds on that foundation, which is Jesus Christ, if you build your life around this, he said, using gold, silver, costly stones, and then it takes a big leap in quality here, to wood, hay, or straw, their work or their life's work will be shown for what it really is because the day, notice the capital D in the day. This is a very, very specific day. He said, that day is gonna bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. I like that word. He says, if it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though as only one escaping through the flames. In other words, this is not your salvation, but it's what you built your life on after you had the salvation of Jesus Christ. What did you do with your salvation? What did you do with this gift of grace? What did you do with the work of Jesus Christ? Because everything that you build on top of that foundation of Jesus Christ is gonna have a judgment day. It's gonna be tested with fire. And if what's left is gonna burn up, he says, oh, you'll escape, but you're gonna smell like smoke. Some of you are like, I've lived my whole life smelling like smoke. I sit next to Marlboro Red himself. <laughs> but this is not what you want. What are you doing with the gift of grace? What are you doing with what Christ did for you? Because ultimately, it matters the most to God. And so when Paul is giving us this statement about his life and the, the life's work that God has graciously enabled him to do, he gives us some keys here in this chapter that I think are important to hold up to the, to the kind of the, the, as the template of our life. If Paul has discovered this and he's saying, this is the smartest thing I've ever done, this was wise to live this way, and how can we adapt that into our lives? I, I wanna give you three keys. If you're a note taker, you might wanna write these three keys down. I think they're gonna help you. Number one, if you're gonna build a life's work that matters to God, number one, you have to start with a revelation of amazing grace. Yeah. It all starts with the grace that God has given you through sending his son to die on the cross for you. Everything starts there. It doesn't start with your talent. It doesn't start with your giftings or abilities or with your smart mouth or with your degrees or with your money. You can't start there. It starts with a revelation of amazing grace. Notice this, he starts this phrase by saying, by the grace that God has given me, I built. By the grace that God has given me, I made the smartest decisions I've ever made in my life. It all comes to the place where it starts with grace. It rhymes, so it must be true. The famous theologian Johnny Cochran taught us that. Don't you remember? Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Look up O.J. Simpson. As a matter of fact, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Imagine committing a crime so bad that they stop making the car that you drive because of it. That, that happened. There's a lot of people under 30 going like, orange juice? We'll catch you up. 
Start with the revelation of amazing grace. This, 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 this changes our mindset and gives us a much healthy perspective when we start our day. It helps us to see that I don't deserve any of this, but this is a gift. So I'm not begging God for more. I'm thanking him for what he's already given me. And it starts with gratitude. How do we respond to this, great, to this grace? I wrote it this way, that the only appropriate response to grace is gratitude. Gratitude. Thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for the very breath that I breathe. It's only by your grace that I'm here. I believe that that is exactly how you should start every single morning of the rest of your life with two simple words, thank you. Not cussing out your alarm clock. Not rolling over and getting mad at your spouse for setting an alarm that's earlier than yours. Somebody's like, how does he know? We start our day with the words, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for another day. Thank you for rest. Thank you for sleep. Thank you for the coffee that I'm about to receive. It helps me to not kill people today. Today's going to be a good day. Thank you. I believe if you could start your day with thank you, everything else that you build your day on begins to change. This is where it all starts. It's a revelation of amazing grace expressing itself through gratitude. What does that look like? It looks like praise. It looks like worship. It looks like serving. It looks like giving. It does not look like selfishness. This today is all about me. Uh, you're wasting today. Thank you, Lord. If I can start my day with a perspective of thanks and gratitude for the gift that he's given me, everything from that point on, God begins to redeem and use because it starts from a place of grace. I say it this way, that people who wake up thanking God fall asleep at night with people thanking God for them. Think about that. Thank you, Lord, for using this person to bless my life. That's awesome. And it begins to send these concentric circles, this ripple effect that begins to change the world. It's a smart place to live with a revelation of amazing grace. Thank you, God, that I'm even here. Yeah. It's only by your grace that I stand here. And I'm thankful to you for this gift of a day. It starts with amazing grace. Here's the second key that Paul gives us. In order to build a life's work that matters to God, we have to live generationally. We have to think generationally. That means it's more than just you but it's what you're gonna pass on after you're gone. Now, that may be a strange thought for us to think about today because it gets a little morbid, it gets a little weird, uh, but it's important to God because this is the very character and the nature of God himself. He reveals himself through his word as a generational God who wants to use you in your lifetime to affect more than your lifetime, to stand on the shoulders of those that came before you and to take it farther. Think generationally. Paul says this, I laid a foundation but somebody else is building on it, and that's okay. That's how it's supposed to be. It's not, I had to finish it all in my lifetime. No, I just had to be able to give it to somebody else and say, now you take it, run with it. Yeah. Do what God's called you to do. Add your flavor to it. Yeah. How does that change how we behave? Because Here's how it changes. Instead of fighting for control, I'm giving it away. Yeah. I champion the next generation. Yeah. I'm not threatened by them. This is how we begin to change the way that we think and build a life's work that matters and outlives you by being willing to champion them instead of being threatened by them, whoever them is. There are people that are younger than you and at some point they're gonna think they know it all just like you did. Being able to hand them beautiful things and say this is my life's work. 
Now make it your own. Take it to the next step. That's a beautiful thing. It's not a waste. It matters. It's part of the heart of God to be a generational God. First Corinthians 3 and, and verse 6, Paul says, I'm the one that planted the seed, but Apollos watered it, and God's the one that's making it grow. Because I'm thinking generationally, because I'm handing it off, and he's giving his gift to my gift, God blesses it. God makes it grow. And I think this is the pattern that we see all the way through the Old Testament and the New Testament. When Moses leaves, he gives the Ten Commandments. He hands over authority to Joshua, and that's good. God says, do it. There's one coming after you, and you see the succession of father to son, from mother to daughter, as we pass on what God has given us generationally. Jesus himself didn't just leave. He says, it's better I should go. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's coming after me. I want to give you something that you're going to need. And in 2020, you're going to need the Holy Spirit more than you've ever needed him before. Somebody say amen. But there's a reason why Jesus says, it's better that I go. Have you ever thought about your life and say, it's, it's better that I go in a healthy way? Normally when you say that, it's because you're getting suicidal and depressed. But there's a different way to look at that. It's better that I should go because there's somebody coming after me that's gonna do even better things than I've done. I've given everything I have for the kingdom of God and it's better that I should go because now there's another one taking my place, gonna do more or two or four or six. I'm gonna continue on my life's work. I'm thinking generationally. It's one thing to, to, to live for yourself. It's another thing to give it away and to inspire others. That's different. Because I believe that modern Christianity is built on selfishness. Today's church, built on selfishness. It doesn't look like the New Testament church. The American version of Christianity is built around selfishness. Prosperity gospel, built around selfishness. God bless me. God give me, God use me, God make me, God do this for me. What can the church give me? How can the church meet my needs? I don't see a lot of that in Acts where God lays out the ground rules for what a church needs to look like. As a matter of fact, Christ reflects it when he says, whoever wants to find his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, oh, you're gonna find it. Doesn't fly in. In a lot of circles today, we don't like to hear that message. People won't take those tattoos and, and make them their life verses and put them on their body someplace. You don't see a lot of that because it means that we lay down self. But Paul said, this is the smartest thing I've ever done. My life's work started with a laying down of myself and I found something much bigger than me that I get to be a part of where I've made a difference. And his life's work that started with being knocked off a horse, struck blind, Changed the world. Because in that moment, he laid down his education, his respect, his image, all the accolades of his peers, and picked up the cause of Christ. He says, I just want to know him, whatever it takes. That's built my life on something that's really wise. You know, as we're looking at this, I, I, I think it's important that we remember a, a very uh, critical uh, theological perspective, and that's number one. Please hear this. Um, you're not the main character in this story. He is. You're not the main character in his story. We're supporting characters. We play a role. It's not all about you, boo-boo. No, not if you've accepted Christ into your heart, not if you want to build a life's work that matters. It may matter to you. It may matter to peers, but it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. 
He says, there's a day coming, capital D, there's a day coming, we're going to judge your life's work. What'd you do with the gift that I gave you? Did it matter? Did it produce something of great quality? Did you think generationally? Were you able to hand it off to the next generation and say, now you take it? You know, when God introduces himself to Moses, he says, I'm the God of your father. I was working long before you were born. Not only that, he said, I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. It was his God and his son's God and his son's God and their son's God. You know, he's the God of your children as well. Think about that. He's the God of your grandchildren. And they see that same God in us. Sometimes that's a sobering thought. But I believe that life is more than just success. I say it this way, that success stops with you, but significance carries on. Did we do something that mattered to God? Was it significant? Why do you say success stops with me? I can give my kids all my wealth. You ever seen people that grow up with wealth and never had to earn it? Is that success to them? No. Most of the time, it's a curse to them. They didn't earn it. They don't appreciate it. They don't know what to do with it. So sometimes the greatest successes that you have end up being the curses of the next generation. But in God's kingdom, it's about significance. That's success. The third thing that Paul ends with here, when he talks about building a life's work that matters to God, it starts with a revelation of amazing grace. It's lived generationally. And then number three, he lives with the end in mind. Live with the end in mind. Now, none of us like to think about it. It's a morbid thought. It's creepy. It's weird. But let me just tell you, you're going to have a funeral at some point. I don't want to have to lie at your funeral. So do something awesome. <laughs> there is a 100% mortality rate for everyone that's walked this planet. You know, there, there might be a couple of exceptions here, but you're probably not one of them. So here's the thing. We have to live with the end in mind. But that should not be, according to the Apostle Paul, that's not a morbid thought. Because your end and the end of your life's significance is not at a funeral, it's at a party. It's at a party. And we are so gonna party. Paul says at the end of all these things, there's a day coming where God's gonna judge our life's work. And for that moment as believers, for those that have built their life on the foundation of Jesus Christ, that have given their life's work, put it in the hands of Christ and said, Lord, use my business for your glory. Use my resources, my children. Use everything I have for your glory. What do you wanna do? It's all yours. Use me to further your kingdom. For those people, it's reward day. Paul says, there is laid up for me a crown. And I'm gonna wear that crown. I'm gonna tip it to the side and be like, yes. Earned every bit of it. Then I'm gonna take it and lay it at the feet of Jesus and say, it's all because of your grace. Paul says, as a matter of fact, there are five crowns that he mentions. The crown of righteousness, the crown of life, the crown that's incorruptible, the crown of glory, and the crown of rejoicing. It'd be kind of cool to have a five-crown day, wouldn't it? Like all these other people just smelling like smoke, I'm giving them five crowns. But it's a day of rejoicing. It's a day of rewards. And for the end of our lives, when we've built it around Christ, it's not a sad occasion when they put us in the ground. That's only half time. There's a great comeback. There's a reward day. And in those moments, Paul says, the Lord's gonna judge the quality of your work. This is a sobering thought for many of us, but I don't like to waste time. I don't like to give you things that you can't use on Monday morning. I wanna give you things that matter the most to God. 
And I love that in this moment, he doesn't say the quantity of your life's work. Not about how big it was or how flashy it was, but it's the quality of what God gave you to do. You know, in my time, we thought baseball cards were it. And there was a time where, where baseball cards held a lot of value, not like the market's been saturated now, uh, but, but it was a big deal to have a baseball card collection as a kid. And uh, I remember thinking, man, if I could just get one single solitary card. There was one card that all of us 12-year-old boys wanted. We all know what it was. It's the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. And it was that card that was the holy grail. We wanted that one because it was worth a ton of money. And most of you, I see, I see people turn around right now. You already turn around. I've got that card. I've got it. I've got that card. But I was willing to trade the thousands of cards that I had for that one. Because that meant something to my peers. It meant something to my friends. It meant something to my fellow collectors. It meant something to my boys. That's quality. I think for some of us, as we look at our life's work, can we trade quantity of things that don't matter for the quality of one thing that does to the king? Is that a fair trade? For some of us, maybe the answer is no. Because we'd rather have people speak well of us We'd rather have our neighbors be jealous of us. We'd rather have our peers look at us and say, that's a good guy. That's a good girl. Good life. We'd rather have a party at our funeral where people talk and say nice things about us and that's all we get. Paul says, man, I did something that was really, really smart. I'll let all that go. I picked up the cause of Christ and I've given my life to it. Other people may say it's foolish. Other people may not understand it. They may look at me with disdain. They may shake their heads. You threw your whole life away. They don't understand. This is the only thing that matters. They can call us crazy if they want to. The Bible tells us most assuredly there is something beyond this life where God will judge our life's work by its quality, not its quantity. And it's precious to him. As we finish up today, I wanna... I wanna just invite you to take maybe a couple of steps from where you are. We call these faith steps. And as you're looking at your life's work, uh, it may bring up some, some feelings that you're like, hey, you know what? Uh, my life's been lived pretty selfishly. I, I wanna invite you to take a step of faith today to maybe make today the day where you start building something that matters to God. Today may be a day where you lay down your image, your public persona, your craving for the approval of people and pick up in its place the approval of one. Look at the work of your life. And I think it's important that we take moments in our life to be honest about where we really are and what we've done with this gift of life. For many of us today, we've wasted a ton of it. I am the chief person at the front of that line. I've wasted and thrown away a large portion of my life. But the smartest thing I ever did was to accept Christ and to say, Lord, I will do whatever you ask me to do. And whether or not I really meant it in that moment or understood what that meant to say it, he took it seriously. And he's reminded me of that several times in my life. You told me, you do whatever I ask you to do. I'm like, yeah, but Lord, that means draining my bank account. We've done it now three times, my wife and I. So I'm not telling you to do something I haven't done. But that was a faith step for us. You may not be there. That's okay. Where are you? What's God asking you to do? 
He's asked us to move and leave all of our friends and family behind. I'm here. I would not have picked Longview, and you probably wouldn't have picked it either, let's be honest. But God's doing something special here. He may be asking you to take a step of faith. Maybe it's the first one where you secure your eternity. That's step one for you. For others of us, you're getting close to the end. And he's asking you to trust him with what's coming past this. No matter where you are, I think you can start today by taking a step of faith, whatever God has for you, and just saying yes. These are the things that matter to God. This is how you build your life into something that's eternal. I'll remind you of the Greek word that Paul uses when he says you should build with care, blepo. Take a long, hard look at your life. You don't get a lot of opportunities to do that. Life moves fast. Before you know it, you look back and say, man, did I even make a difference? We've built a church that wants to help you do that. I don't want to waste your time. I want to give you things that, 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 that matter. Because you're going to stand before the Lord. And in those moments, I want you to be proud to stay there. I don't want you to pass me smelling like smoke. <laughs> I want you to have a smile on your face as you take the accomplishments that you've done for the kingdom of God and you lay them at the feet of Jesus and say, thank you. It was an honor to live my life for your glory. That's my heart for you. That's my hope for you. We can do this together. When we talk about quality and quantity, the good news here is that next Sunday is Legacy Sunday and I get to show you something as a church that we have both. We got both. Not only is there quality for things that matter the most to the kingdom of God, there's a quantity of them because what we can do together pales in comparison to the things that any of us could ever do even by, by ourselves. Together, we've made a difference. And I want to just envision you and, and, and prepare you for next week uh, with, with that question, what could we do with more? With more. As we finish up today, I want to, I want to invite you to pray. I invite you to pray about next week. Um, I'm going to give you a chance to respond to the Holy Spirit. Maybe talk with your spouse about standing behind us as we remove the debt from this building. Uh, we were in conversations with our our bankers this week, and it's such an awesome thing to be able to see uh, that we're able to take the financial generosity of this people and be able to do some great things. And I know they want us to keep paying for, for another 20 years, like, we're not gonna do that. Don't tell him, he's sitting right there. I think we can do some special things, and I wanna invite you to be a part of that. For others of us in this place, I wanna invite you to take a face step. If you've never served anybody else, if you've never served the kingdom of God, if you've never served in the church, it's time. They're not gonna hurt you that much. They're not gonna bite you, except in kids' ministry, some of them are biters. You know they're your kids. You knew when you dropped them off. You know when you pick them up and they got a helmet on them, like, that's a biter. We fixed it. I want, I want to invite you to serve. Maybe you've never been a part of a church family. I want to invite you to take a step with us. Maybe you've been kicking the tires around here wondering if this is your church home. Um, you're welcome here. We take all kinds. We're all crazy. That's what we say here. We're all crazy. It's not a competition. We're crazy together. And we're just crazy enough to believe that God can use a church in Longview, Texas to make a difference 
eternally. I want to invite you in to be a part of it. I want to give you a chance to respond to the Holy Spirit and see what's your part. And then ask you to be obedient to whatever he tells you to do. I also want to remind you, hey, if this is not your church home, don't give here. Please don't do that. There are a lot of churches across this country that have been drastically affected by the events of our last two years. We've been able to see things that other churches have not seen. Great growth, great success. That's only because of God's grace. There are lots of churches that need your help. And if that's your home church, please, please hear me. Give there. They need your help. But if God's planted you here, if this is your church family, I want to invite you to take a step, whatever that may be. If you've never been a part of a church, get on our growth track. Become a member here. We'd love to have you be part of this. If you've never served, get on our dream team. We'd love to have you serve somebody else. Something bigger than you. As we finish up today, I want to just give you a chance to respond to the Holy Spirit by saying whatever that may be. God may be asking you to do some things. I want to encourage you to trust him and to do it. Would you bow your head and close your eyes as we finish up today? I want to invite you to pray a prayer, very simple. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Your faith step this week week might might look like uh, forgiveness. Your faith step this week might look like a tithe for the first time, trusting God with your finances. Your faith step may look like praying for somebody. It may look like serving. It may look like meeting a need. But these things matter to God when we respond to the Holy Spirit, when we say yes to whatever he's asking us to do. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? I want to pray for you as we finish. Father, I pray that you bless my friends with an incredible week. I pray that every single time that you speak to them, that they would respond, yes, okay. I'll do what you ask me to do. And I pray that as they respond in obedience, you'd call them deeper, call them to more to build a life that matters to you. A life of obedience. A life of faith steps. A life of trust. A life that matters. In Jesus' name. And now with every head bowed and every eye closed, my friend, if you're here today, you're hearing my voice, and you're not sure about what happens at the end of your life, if that's a terrifying thought because you've, you're not sure if you're gonna be in, in heaven with God, you may have your doubts. My friend, I wanna help you take a step today. I wanna help you just like somebody helped me one time. That first step starts with a prayer. And I'll help you pray that prayer if you're willing to take that step. Let me help you. Right where you are, say this prayer with me. I'll tell you what to say. Pray with me. It goes like this. Just say, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe that you came, you died, you rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I invite you to come into my heart. Be my Lord, my Savior, and my boss. Take over. I give my life to you right now. Thank you for choosing me. In Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, my friend, if that was you, and you say, Pastor, I prayed with you. Just look up at me, if you would, from all across this place. 
Would you slip your hand up into the air and say, that was me, Pastor. That was me. I pray with you. Good. I see you. Good. I see you. Good. Good for you. Proud of you. As a matter of fact, I'd love to give you a, a free gift. I'd love to connect with you and help you understand what just happened inside of your heart and what to do next. I think it's important that you have a church that tells you what to do. How do I do this? Let us help you. The easiest way is by text. The number's showing up on your screen. The number's on the big screen here behind me. If you'll text the words, I prayed to 844-HRC-TEXT, we'll connect with you and send you some things that will help you. It'll be our greatest pleasure to walk with you in this journey to help you take the next step. Good for you. Thank you for doing that. I'm proud of you. Well, Howard's family, go ahead and look up at me if you would and stand to your feet. I wanna say thank you for paying attention today. Thank you for being uh, willing to tune in. For those of you watching online, it's been such a pleasure. Hey, if you like what you heard today, if you feel like your world could use a little bit of encouragement, would you do me a favor? Would you share this video with your friends? If you guys have a Facebook account, that's the greatest way to use uh, your testimony and your platform to share the love of Jesus with your whole social media world. We consider it a great honor when you guys share this message. It, it matters. It's making a difference. Many, many people have reported to us from all around the world. I watched this message. I may never be in Longview, but this changed my life. That means the world to us and we can make a difference. Thank you for doing that for us. As we finish up the service today, I'm gonna have our elders and their wives step forward. They're gonna stay here when the service ends to be available to pray for you about any prayer needs that you may have. If you're watching online today, if you have some prayer needs, type it in the chat or send us a DM if you'd like. We would love to pray for you. You matter and we would love to take your needs before our Father and watch God work on your behalf. For everyone else, let me bless you and send you out. Father, I thank you in advance for what's gonna happen on Legacy Sunday. I thank you for those that are partnering with us to advance your kingdom. I thank you for the steps of faith that are being taken in this church to build a life and a life's work that matters not to me, not to us, Lord, but to you. I pray that you would use your strength and your power to guide us through to become all that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, and everybody said together, amen. God bless you as you give. I hope you have an amazing week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.